We are reaching into the archives again, and we are playing an old Photo Field Notes episode. This is an interview with Justin and Mary Morantz, and this was actually years ago. And I love it because it was when I was still kind of this like early stage photographer, and I went to WPPI, and I saw them speak, and I was blown away by everything they said, and I was like, I have to talk to them, and I have to interview them. And so I just think that their message rings true today, and it's a great message to hear, again, if you're listening to this in real time, going into the, the new year. And so I just hope you enjoy it. Kick back, enjoy. I hope you're having a great, relaxing week, and I'll be back next week. Welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast, where you'll find stories, tips, and inspiration from professional photographers to get you taking action in your own business and making your business dreams a reality. Speaking with the fabulous Justin Mary Morantz, and I just want to jump right in and tell and have you tell everybody how did you become photographers? What was the path that you took? How did you kind of together build this business and get to where you are today? Uh, well, I think Justin has to start because he, we um, pretty much have pictures of him holding a camera since he was about two years old. And I came a lot later in the journey. So I'm going to let you start. Yeah, it's really strange because very few people ever know really what they want to do or end up doing what they want to do later in life um, that started out in that same field. And I feel like I'm sort of one of the rare exceptions to that. Um, I, I was lucky enough to have um, some great teachers and um, some really good classes in high school for photography. And I fell in love with the magic of it all, the dark room, the developer, the fixer. I love the way it smelled. I love the way it tasted. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, it was just, it was so much, <laughs> please don't drink fixer. Um, but it was just so much fun to, be around that. And so I knew right away coming out of high school that that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I was lucky enough, I got to go to RIT for advertising photography. And I spent uh, the better part of four years there um, studying advertising and also um, at the same time assisting commercial photographers. So uh, very early on, I felt like that was kind of the direction I was headed. Uh, it took a little bit of a twist when I started shooting weddings. Yeah, how did that happen? Um, so I was assisting two photographers up in Rochester, New York, and one of them was a commercial photographer and the other was a uh, wedding photographer. And um, I was lucky enough to, to go on a couple shoots with a wedding photographer and um, really fell in love with the idea of shooting weddings. It was a lot happier than the advertising industry and um, just a lot more fun in general. Yeah. Um, and so that brought you all the way up until you, Justin actually moved to Connecticut to work for that advertising photographer. Um, and he randomly ended up living in New Haven because he and a friend were sharing an apartment and that was midway between their two jobs, um, which is where we met. I was still in New Haven for the summer after my first year of law school. Um, all my friends had left for the summer for their jobs, but my internship was actually based in New Haven. Um, and so we met and very quickly I started doing all the pricing and the contracts and the marketing for the business. I think I like gave you new pricing, like the first week we were dating, right? Yeah. She figured out <laughs> I was losing money on every single wedding. That I was <laughs> so I really got involved, um, just because, um, I, up until that point, I had never seen wedding photography like that. I, I grew up in West Virginia and wedding photography at that time where I was from was, you know, you stand in the church basement behind your cake and somebody like takes a picture with a flash pointed at you. And so he had these pictures of bridesmaids hands, you know, tying up the back of the dress and, 
um, this, you know, grandfather crying when he hugs the bride on the wedding day, like all of these pictures that I can still remember, um, as vividly now as the day that I saw them and they just blew me away. I'd never seen anything like that. I didn't know that you were like allowed to photograph weddings that way. And so I, I feel like I had, um, found like discovered this amazing thing, right. That Justin had this talent that just like needed to be out there in the world and it needed to, um, be marketed in a way that it would be really successful. And I also come from a line of small business owners that goes back about nine generations. So that's just kind of like in my blood. Like I started my first business when I was, I think about four years old, um, selling erasers (laughs) and pencils to my classmates, which was pretty awesome. So I kind of like quickly discovered that I found this really amazing product in him. (laughs) That sounds like such a terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So you found this great product to sell. (laughs) (laughs) And I married him. Word. Um, No, but so I, I just, I, really felt like I had found something, um, in him that on both obviously a personal level and also just this thing that he did, this beauty that he captured that really could be something remarkable as a business. So for two good years, I was just doing business stuff. I didn't pick up a camera at all. I was doing marketing, pricing. Um, we were doing bridal shows at that time, which I don't recommend. We can talk about that more in a bit, but, um, I was helping to get, you know, design the booths and figure out all that stuff. And it wasn't until I graduated law school. I graduated law school in May of 2006. So you did continue law school, kind of with the intention of going that route. I I never went to law school to be a lawyer. Okay. I wanted to go to teach law, but I very quickly, like a semester into law school, knew I didn't want to do that either. Um, Just because the law professor-student relationship is much more... Um, transactional in law school than it is in undergrad. It's not like this great mentoring experience because there's so much pressure on the professors to get published and the students to get recommendation letters. It just becomes this very, you research for me, I'll write your letter relationship. So it's interesting though that you took that mentality that you knew you wanted to teach and that it's kind of, you're a natural teacher and you you like, brought that into your current career. So we'll get, well, I'll let you keep going. You can get into that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, not at all. Just basically that um, we continued to grow the business for those two years while I was in law school. And Justin learned a whole lot about property law and (laughs) (laughs) intellectual property. He probably didn't want to know. And then, um, I graduated in May. We went to our first photo conference in Los Angeles, the Pictage partner con in early September. At that point, we were still trying to decide if I would get a job at a law firm for a little while. I turned down I feel like these are like seven stories in one. Um, I turned down a couple of other big city law firm offers, but maybe I would work at a smaller firm locally. But then we went to the conference and just decided to go for it. And that was September of 2006. So we've been both shooting together and full-time in the business since September 2006. Wow. That was a long-winded answer. No, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Just how it all came to be. (laughs) So now talk, talk a little bit about how, how that has evolved and just kind of the general growing of the business, the pain points, there's just the life experience and how you kind of were able to transfer that desire to teach and that talent to teach into something related to photography. Ooh, I don't think the teaching came, um, I guess it, well, I was going to say, I didn't think the teaching came for a while, but I think we did actually, we went to PartnerCon in 2006 in the fall, and then the following fall we spoke at that PartnerCon. That was the first time that we taught a class. 
and we were terrible. We were so bad. <laughs> there were like seven people in the room and it was supposed to be an hour and I think it lasted about 24 minutes. Um, so I think we kind of like crashed and burned early on, but we still knew that we were had a, like a passion to do the teaching side. And so the one good thing that comes out of failing really hard is that if you're at least willing to stand back up, then you can look the people in the face who might take pity on you and give you a second chance. And so that's what we did. We fell on our faces. Um, I cried a little and then we got back up and um, this really wonderful person who still works at Pictage named Emily Engel offered us the chance to go around and do a pug tour. Um, which was all of the the small Pictage user groups around the country. I think we went to something like 20 cities or something in 2008, early 2008. That gave us that that sort of training ground to find figure out what our message was and become a lot better um, at standing up in front of people. Now, to be fair, I went to college on a debate scholarship, so I did have some speaking background, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're talking about real people and real lives and so that was a good, a really good experience. And it just kind of grew from there. All right. Well, then let's get into, you know, you kind of mentioned failure and the ability to get back up and keep moving. But what about just general challenges? You know, running a business is challenging. And a lot of people get into photography because of the art. And it sounds, Justin, you got into it because you loved photography. And it sounds like the business kind of came in through Mary a little bit more to get that tightened up. So what are just some of the general challenges along the way that you've had as photographers running a small business and not even just as photographers, but as small business owners? I think it just, it comes in stages. When you're first starting out, you, you know what you want to do, but you can't necessarily find the clients. And so the whole first stage is trying to find the clients and get them to come to you. And so that was the first big challenge was trying to get, trying to get the business, trying to get the work. Uh, the second stage is you have the work and it's okay, but it's not the kind of work you want to be doing. So this, the second stage is trying to figure out how to get the clients that you want to have. And then the third stage is you have the clients that you want to have, but now you have too much work and not enough time. And so it's a matter of like trying to reclaim your life. And so I feel like that's the stage that we were in the longest. And that was probably the biggest challenge was just trying to manage having the amount of work that we wanted, but not necessarily having the amount of time to you know, be a married couple, to be a family, to have a personal life as well. So that's probably the biggest challenge. We're still struggling with it a little bit. Hopefully we've made some changes that, um, continue to to improve that but yeah I just exactly what you said I think in the beginning you have this shortage of money because you're trying to get it started but you have all the time in the world and it's very hard at that stage to imagine that there will ever be a time when you won't have enough time you know that you won't be able to just do the editing yourself or you won't be able to just do that album design yourself and save the money but very quickly they I think they crisscross and it suddenly becomes that time is actually your scarcest and most valuable resource Um, So really just the growing pains of learning how to let go of more and more stuff and really just, um, you know, whittle it down to the things that we are the absolute best at were just absolutely love so much that we couldn't let it go. And that's, I think, a continuing process, especially as we're adding in more and more to our plate, because we're both the kind of personalities, I think, that, or especially me, I'll take the blame there, that the more we free ourselves up, the more I want to fill it with more stuff. It's totally the entrepreneur mentality. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm really, really bad about throwing us out there more and more and spreading us thin more and more. And Justin's the one who always has to say, uh, hold on there. Let's, let's bring it in a little bit more. 
Um, so it's not just finding the people to help you do the stuff. It's also learning your own limits and that, um, what did I, where did I read this? That sleep is an accomplishment too. You know, like it's okay to take care of yourself and being, um, well rested and, and healthy and taking uh, good care of yourself is also a success. So I, I have trouble with that. As, as justifying that. And but. so do, and do a lot of people ask you because you're married and I have this with my husband too, because we do a lot of work together, just balancing when work is over and when work is started and, you know, drawing that line. How do you think it's kind of helped you to be a married couple in the same business together? And how has it kind of just been a, you know, a challenge? How have you dealt with the challenge of that? Do you want to divide it up? So I'll do how it's helped and you will do how it's challenged. Okay. <laughs> okay. See, we work together, dividing content. Perfect. Uh, so I think hands down, especially the business that we're in, the biggest benefit is that we are also a youngish, <laughs> youngish. <laughs> we're getting older, younger um, couple. You know, um, we when we first got married, we were able to say, well, actually, we had our business before we got married. So we were able to say, oh, we're planning our wedding too. And then we were able to say, oh, we literally just got married. And then we got married last year. And we it will be 40 years this fall. So we're not really so much the newlyweds anymore, but we still, um, I think because we don't have kids yet and we have a dog and we just bought our first house, we're still very much in the same place that a lot of our clients are. So we're very relatable to them. And it's very easy for us to fall into this role of in the first meeting, they're just coming over to hang out at our house. We have our meeting space on the uh, studio space on the first floor. And then at the engagement shoot, you know, grab a meal or drinks afterwards. It's just like two couples hanging out. So we've really been able to um, just apply the strength that as a couple we get where they're coming from. We've planned a wedding. Um, we know what it's like to buy your first house and just plan and build a life together. And I think that makes us very, very relatable. I also think just the way that we see our love, um, the people who hire us want us to be able to tell their story in that same way. So we definitely realize that's a strength, but it's got its drawbacks as well. Tag in Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> Justin. <laughs> I, I kind of touched on this before, but the downside of you know, working together with your spouse is that uh, it's hard to determine, you know, when work stops and when life begins. And so, you know, we'll work, we'll wake up and, you know, get going to work. And all of a sudden, you know, especially working from home too, it's hard to tell at what point has work stopped and are we now just going to be a couple again? And, you know, you can't, we can't sit down at dinner and be like, oh, how was your day, darling? Because <laughs> We know exactly what happened on each other's day. There's no surprises. Um, and we, you know, it's, it's a, a blessing and a curse that we spend almost all of our time together. And it's wonderful that we get to, to be so close and, and, and together all the time. But we also don't, um, we have trouble surprising each other. We have trouble, you know, just finding interesting things to talk about because <laughs> it's, it's happening throughout the entire day. Yeah. Remember how we went and bought groceries. Yay. You know, everything. Together, so it is yeah. so, hard to have different experiences. So what happens is, even if we go out on a date or sit down at dinner, we'll still end up talking about work because that's the only thing that's really happening in our lives that we can talk to about, talk to each other about. I feel like we have just started to get better about that. And one of the ways that we've been able to do it is having kind of a symbolic, um, a symbolic way of saying we're off work now. And for us, that's turning the lights off and the computers off and closing the doors to our offices, which we didn't have until the past year. We were working out of our two-bedroom apartment, and so we moved into the house. So um, just being able to turn the lamp off, turn the lights off, just put the computer to sleep so I can't pop back in there and you know check something. And 
you know, having something to do in the evening, like cooking together or going out to a movie, just some activity that actually pulls us out of that workspace has helped a lot, I think. And then just, just even just like at dinner, if we catch ourselves talking about business, calling each other out, resetting and bringing it back to, and we have to call ourselves out a lot before the meal's over, but that's how you break a habit. I think. Yeah. It's, it's so funny to hear because I really am in a similar situation with my husband. I'm, I'm next to him almost all the time doing work together. And I'll have to say, this is, this is wife alley talking to you right now. This is yeah. wife alley. Or if I need to be like particularly serious, this is work alley talking to you now. <laughs> and it's really a separation. And I think it's almost this like separate personality in a small way to where you have to say, this is who I am right now talking to you. You know, I'm talking business or I'm talking personal life. So I totally hear you on the separation. It can be quite a challenge, but it can also be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like, it's really, because it's so blurry, you don't want to like disagreements about an album order to turn into who should be doing the dishes. Right. It's really hard not to pull like both worlds together when you're trying to prove a point like you you know put everything off to the last minute let's talk about the dishes which have nothing to do with the workplace and just and not basically just not pulling like the wife or the husband card um if it you know if i couldn't say that to a coworker, then i can't say it to you because right now we're co-workers um and i think that's maybe one other thing i would add that's helped is we've just really started to compartmentalize like who's the ceo of different aspects of our work so if it's about the blog, I get the final say. If it's about our backup, our Drobo, and our digital asset management, Justin has, that's his world. And we've even started to bring that more into home because I do tend to do more of the business stuff. Justin has taken over a lot of stuff with, you know, our finances, for example. And while we both definitely have a say in our finances, he's he wears kind of the CFO hat for that. We, we jokingly call it the CFO report. Um, and I think... At first, I was really hesitant to do that because I didn't. I wanted both of us to have our um, kind of imprint on each thing. Our, is that the right word? Imprint. Maybe we'll go with it. Um, we. I wanted both of us to have our um, us in it. And but I've actually found that we're more efficient if we can just. If there's something I can do start to finish without having to wait on him and vice versa. And that's just like if something doesn't get done with the blog, I know whose fault it is. It's mine. And if something doesn't get done with um, transferring a drive to our editor, I know that that's Justin. So it's really a lot easier to kind of have the buck stops here um, rather than fighting about it. (laughs) (laughs) So overall, with everything you've learned over the years, all the ups and downs and challenges and successes, is there anything, I guess it's really hard, I know, to summarize it into any one thing, but if you just had to kind of throw out a general piece of advice or even a bit of inspiration for others, what would you say, kind of like parting words? Okay, so it's funny. We actually, right before this, um, we were doing a mentoring session, and what I said to her and what I think is true of a lot of people that we talk to who come to us and say, I really want to do this full-time, I really want to leave my day job, or I really... You know, I I went to school for something else, but I want to try to do this completely different thing. How did you do that? And I think a very common theme among them, and if we're being honest and went back and looked when we were first getting started, is that nobody else in this world is going to give you permission. Nobody's ever going to write you a letter or an email or knock on your door and go, okay, now you get to go out and chase your dream. And nobody did that for us. And when we first decided we were going to have the business and I was going to turn down the law firm offers, there were a lot of people who said what are you doing? You can't be serious. And so, um, I think a really good like way to boil that down is that you have to be the can 
in your own life. You have to be the permission that you give yourself to chase whatever it is that you want to do. The thing that like, you know, makes your heart feel happy because there will be always be plenty of people willing to tell you that you can't. Um, and if you decide that you want to do it, then just do it and go after it and be absolutely petrified, but do it anyway and feel the fear and just push through it and be so hungry that the hunger, um, outshines the fear and just don't, don't ever look back and don't ever give up, fall down and get up and fall down and get up as many times as it takes. Fantastic. (laughs) Justin, anything to add? How am I supposed to top that? (laughs) She's good, isn't she? (laughs) Ditto. Um, I just want to, I guess, add to that and, and say that, um, something can be learned from everyone. And so whether we're sitting down with um, another photographer for a mentoring session, or if we're uh, going to a conference and listening to somebody speak, I feel like you can definitely, you know, if you keep your ears open, you can pick up little pieces from everyone and figure out what works best for you and, and make that happen. So even if it doesn't apply directly, I feel like there's always some little piece of it that you can take from, take, take from it and apply it to your own life and, and make improvements. So every, every single day when we go out and we're shooting weddings or we're shooting um, engagement shoots or we're teaching other photographers, we're still listening. We're still opening our eyes to the possibility that there's other ways of doing things. There's ways of improving our own life. Um, so just continue to grow, continue to learn. Okay. So finally, I always like to ask everybody, is there one book that you just really love that you'd like to recommend? It could be about anything. Oh, golly, just one. Or a few. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, I'm going to recommend a top three. It might end up with five. It's going to be okay. I'm a big person. Okay. Number one, I think it should be just like required um, reading for every human being is How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think it's pretty much the guidebook on life, except for whatever reason, it's not required reading in, you know, seventh grade or whatever. Um, so Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Number two, I think an absolute requirement for all Smith small business owners is the E-Myth Revisited, Why Most Small Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It. That's Michael Gerber. And I think it just puts it in a nutshell, the struggles and the life cycles that businesses go through. And when you find yourself knee-deep in that burnout, you'll know exactly why and what to do about it and how to fix it. Um, and then I think number three... Gosh, I might actually have to give five, but we'll say number three um, is going to be the seven habits of highly effective people. I think that and Dale Carnegie go right hand in hand. Dale Carnegie is all about kind of like understanding people and um, the seven habits. I think it's just about, you know, getting stuff done and becoming that kind of person who has a dream and they actually go out and they become, they go from dreamer to doer. And I'm going to add two more just for fun. Okay. Great. They are going to be um, simple abundance, mostly for women, probably only for women, to be honest with you. I don't think guys would really dig it as much. It is um, a daily uh, read. So it's, you know, 300, I think there's 366 entries for leap year. Um, and it's just like um, about bringing simplicity to your life and order and gratitude. And it's just this great little like pump you up inspiration. And finally, number five, I'm going to say is Your Best Life Now from Joel Osteen, which we read, I read on my honeymoon, our honeymoon, (laughs) it was ours, (laughs) Um, about four years ago. And it's just like one of those like game changing books. So I saved the best for last. Those are my five. Do you have any you want to add? 
no, Justin's good. He's like, that's funny. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to chat. Such good advice, such positive energy, as I've always seen. So I'm so excited for everybody to hear what you have to say. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having us.